Welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons, where I have no BDSM jokes, but all my gags are in the wash. <laughs> it's not better the second time around, is it? <laughs> it's really not. It's super not. They're not getting any better. They, no. I'll, I'll see how bad I can get them to be. Um, <laughs> jo- joining me, that lovely voice you can hear is, um, well, I, I will be far politer in, lettering, in letting her... Uh, <laughs> yes, people. Josh actually has a stutter, and yet he talks for a living and does three podcasts. What a guy. Um, I'll be far better in allowing my guest to introduce herself this time round. Uh, Alex, would you introduce yourself, please? Hello, everybody. I am Alex. You can find me on and about the internet as Alex Katu. Uh, and I am delighted to be here on Better Homes and Dungeons because when Josh told me that was the name, I kind of giggled to myself for about five minutes because that's just excellent. And we had a giggle before when Josh mentioned that Better Homes and Dungeons is not something you should Google at work. No, it's really not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. I, I did immediately buy the domain betterhomesanddungeons.net. And um, I've got a friend of mine in marketing who I asked, oh, would you would you draw me a logo? And she said, yeah, 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 sure. What's it for? And you know those times when you're like, I'm not sure I should actually ask you to do this, but in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, it's like that mild degree of instant regret, and you're like, I can let this go further. Or I can just accept it for what it is. I, I went with accepting it for what it is. Fair. <laughs> Fortunately, she thought it was hilariously funny. So, Good. It's gonna be As a- I did. I, I googled for a really long time, and then I told my mum that I was going to be on a podcast called Better Homes and Dungeons. Um, <laughs> oh, she didn't hang up on me, but I, I kind of, I thought I could feel her wanting to. Hi, Alex's mum. <laughs> <laughs> From what I can tell, you did an amazing job. She's a lovely young lady. Damn straight. Indeed. Now, um, there, there was an interesting thing happened in, in the Dungeons and Dragons, um, universe, um, each of us had a fairly similar kind of take, but I think Alex, yours was far more eloquent than mine. Um, so this, this um, critical role partnering up with a company that has a terrible person that runs it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, uh, my, my take on that is um, kind of neither here nor there because at the end of the day, they're a business um, and, you know, businesses are always going to break your heart. Uh, but at the same time, I did see a lot of people who were very upset by it. And then other people who were very upset that other people were very upset. And it was kind of this snowballing emotional effect. And I just thought, is it really, really what you want to be spending your emotional energy on? We do have a finite amount of brain space, a finite number of hours in the day. And I think most of us probably also have some very talented friends. We've got friends who are making podcasts, friends who are running their own uh, actual play shows, friends who are writing and drawing and making music. And I guess for me, seeing all the furrow around the critical role stuff, I kind of would like people to take some of that energy and maybe spend it on your friends rather than people who you will probably never meet, who are doing arguably a cool thing, um, probably the, mo- the most well-known actual play for D&D, but definitely not the only one. No. And um, we might all be a bit, you know, emotionally better off if we took some of that energy and put it towards the people we know and love. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty true. I mean, um, and, and me speaking as a parent, the reason I guess I don't just get like, wonderfully upset at things like this is because it's like look the problem is if i get wonderfully upset about that i will have no energy to be a nice parent by the time i get home yeah and absolutely. so logging onto twitter and raging at someone over a keyboard is like this is a waste of my time and 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 my life force and at a couple of years before 40 it's like I'm really, really jealous with the life force that I have left. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. it's like, look, I'd rather go home and make something rather than think about how annoyed I am that 
a business made a silly decision that, yeah, okay, they donated everything, cool, probably shouldn't have done it in the first place, but I mean, if you want to get ultra critical, they stream on Twitch, which is owned by Amazon. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the take that I didn't actually see a lot of people talking about, but... Because, as I said, businesses will always break your heart. Um, Unless it's a cardiologist. Unless it's a cardiologist. And even then, I mean... I mean, if they have to. If they've got to. If you're going to pay them to, I guess. But, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that, like, if if bad things are happening, you should be upset by it. Uh, If injustices exist, you should be angry about that. But I'm, I'm not convinced that... Uh, declaring your undying love or your eternal burning hatred for a Dungeons and Dragons show kind of hits that level of injustice. Uh, and I, I and I know a lot of it is born out of that love that we have for the game and that we have for watching other people enjoy the game and bringing people into the game, which is actually what we're talking about today. It is. And a lot of that is born from a good place, but I think um, people tend to put celebrities on a pedestal, and I really wish that that kind of energy could be dedicated to the people who are in your life already, and the people who are going to be in your life for the rest of it, hopefully. Yeah, no, I think it's 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 far better. It's a far better take and far better said than I saw a lot of takes online. I mean, mm. yeah. But let's move on and talk about something that'll make us happy. Um, yes. Did you check out the Unearthed Arcana that they released? I had a brief look at it. This week has been uh, PAX prep ah, every hour of every yes. day for me. So I did get a brief look at it, though. What did you think of the Onomancer? I thought that was cool. I think it looks really, really interesting, and I think it has the potential to seriously unbalance some parties. Like, if that was just thrown into an existing kind of bog-standard party, I can see that causing trouble. I can also see it causing trouble in, um, say, Coast of Strahd. Yes. Where it's like, <laughs> I know your name because you don't <laughs> shut up about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, that, so I can fun. see it. Yeah, I can see it. I can, it. Look, it mechanically, it is fascinating. Mm. Um, but I could. But it's almost like I can see it being a bit of a, a bit of a bomb drop in certain campaigns. Yeah, I, I looked particularly at the, high level. Particularly yeah, like high level where you're dealing with absorption skill. Yes, absolutely. Like, that absorption skill is out of control. It's I amazing, like it. and I love it. Yeah, I dig it. I, th- I think it's, Guddy the gnome might have to take yes. up a different school of magic if if Cameron th- lets him. Oh, I feel like Gotti would be perfect for that. Yeah, because he's a pedantic little sod. Yes, he is. <laughs> but that's he, one of the reasons. He draws up the contracts. That's what he does. He gets the true name on there, and then that. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that is really thematic oh, with him. That is actually really perfect. Oh darn it! Okay, Cameron. Cameron. Yep, Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> Gotti's come making a comeback. Um, okay, so what we did want to chat about today um, is kind of our origin stories. Um, how we how we came to D and D. Now, Dan, who both you and I know, and we yes. know because of Cameron. Um, ah, I know, I know Dan much much longer uh, than that. I know I've known Dan for it'd be ten, nearly ten years now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Dan and I met uh, volunteering at um, pop culture events. Oh, cool. Yeah. Lovely. Um, funnily enough. One of the people I work with is in the choir that he helps run. Really? Um, yeah. And when I found this out, I said to my colleague, oh, hey, um, person whose name I'm not going to drop on a public thing because you haven't given me permission because I haven't asked your permission to give this story. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I know some, you know, we know someone in common outside of work. Um, I know Dan. And she said, oh, Josh, how do you know Dan? I said, well, let's just say I've mastered that dungeon. Oh, no. And everyone was like, there was laughter, but also a, okay, Josh, you're going to have to open that up. I'm like, I, we, we play yeah. Dungeons and Dragons together. We're, we're D&D buddies. So. That's that's worse than the Borgag pun. That is worse than the, yeah. I, yeah, it's, dig up, Josh. Dig up. Yeah. 
Um, so Alex, Dan says that he would love to know, or would love to hear rather, your zero to one hundred in under sixty that under sixty seconds uh, origin story. Oh God, the, or- the this is superhero origin story time. Yes. Um, it's really not that interesting. A bunch of us uh, up in Brisbane, so in my hometown, we uh, started getting old, basically, uh, around about the same time <laughs> that 5th edition came out. But, you know, that kind of point where you have to start looking for things that you can do sitting down in somebody's home, which, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that kind of happily coincided with the release of 5th edition, and we were all huge nerds. Uh, who just had gone down kind of more the video games path than the tabletop games path. We'd never gotten into Dungeons and Dragons and 5th edition came out and we said, let's do this. Let's make this uh, a thing. We're going to be, we're going to be a, an adventuring party now. That's what we do on Friday nights. Well, every second Friday night because adulthood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scheduling games, the greatest horror story of them oh, all. Oh, wait till, wait till marriage and children. Comes into yeah, it. see, look, I think I just prefer to keep playing games. I mean... Yeah, look, I, I understand that. Um, we someone are... can learn the ceremony spell, and, you know, you can do, like, that's, that's you know, you can have an entire life in games. I know. And that's not the saddest thing I've said this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, but no, we, we, we just, we ended up um, playing one of my good friends, Pascal, just... Went all in and bought all of the, the, the core books and was going to be a dungeon master. Had never played before. None of us had played before. Um, yeah, and we started with some basic adventures actually from MT Black, from an Australian game designer. Uh, they were the first kind of adventures we started running. Uh, we ran some Horde of the Dragon Queen and just kind of some real classic Dungeons & Dragons stuff. And I've been kind of hooked every, ever since. And... When I moved from Brisbane to Melbourne, God, only about a year after we started playing, uh, I kind of thought, I don't want this to be over. Although, I did leave Brisbane with a bit of a uh, a bomb drop on the group. Um, we were we were playing at my place and it was going to be, and I hadn't told anybody that I'd gotten this job in Melbourne that I was leaving. I had not told anybody except the DM. So we organized uh, something a little bit special. I, I just want to say now, I love where this is going. Yeah. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the mm-hmm. energy that you're putting out now. So thank you. Yeah, it's going exactly where you think it's going uh, because we were hunting an artifact and in the final minutes of the game, my character turned on everybody, uh, incinerated the entire room, pulled out her eyes because you have to make a sacrifice to this artifact. Um took the book and disappeared. And I told everybody, um, thanks for playing. I'm moving to Melbourne in two weeks. Bye. If you had a microphone, I <laughs> I imagine it's descent from shoulder yeah. height. Yeah, it was, it was a mic drop. It was definitely, it was definitely, it was probably, it was a little bit, um, probably cheekier the DM and I to... No, 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 no. That's beautiful. Told my best friends that that's how I was leaving town. No, 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 but no. That, that's how you do it. Because then you crush them in and out of game. Oh, it was. It was I, so I imagine good. Alex leveled up a couple of times. It felt really good. <laughs> and obviously, I kept playing with them. I, we play over Roll20. Uh, we still play every two weeks. It's a very casual kind of drop-in, drop-out game. We're actually uh, playing in person tomorrow night oh, uh yeah so everyone's coming to town for packs well a bunch of people are coming to town for packs so we've got part of the old gang together for that we usually play a game in person every christmas as well uh, well it's in person every week but um i'm on a tv screen or a laptop somewhere so all of my games take place online i i have yeah. been in the physical presence of one person that i play with um Heath, other, who, who plays Huddleford in, in our Margrave campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone thought that was really confusing, especially when he got up out of his chair and for a laugh, I sat down in it. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Because we hadn't told anyone and we thought that was pretty funny. That's pretty good. Thank you. Pulling a fast one on your on your fellow players is actually, it's kind of fun, but you've got to do it respectfully. It's therapeutic. <laughs> it is therapeutic, yeah. And, and also you, okay, 
in in my original campaign, we were losing we were losing someone because he was changing his work. It was actually going to work. It was going to be so much better for him. And so me and him had a bit of a a bit of a sidebar chat. I'm like, look, how do you want to go out? And his original thing was, Josh, kill me, make me kill them, make them kill me. I'm like, no, 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 that's a bit traumatic. I'll give you a good death. He's like, okay, cool. And so when that happened, like watching their faces was just terrible. But in the final episode of that campaign, spoilers, everyone, sorry, but you know, statute of limitations. Yeah. He came back and I hadn't warned any of them about it. See, that's like the reverse of what we did. That's so good. It was. And I was emotionally wrecked for the rest of the day. That was me. I was like, yep, I'm done. Oh, that's so good though. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my D&D origin story is a um, group of aging nerds in Brisbane. That was, that was how we started and that's how we plan to continue. I love it. My, mine's slightly different. Um, my, my older brother, who's five years older than me, um, I think when I was eight or nine, might have even been seven, around that kind of age, he came up to me and said, hey, Josh, do you want to play a game? And I will confess now, I love my older brother. I, I think he's great. I idolize a lot of things about him. Um, he's actually an anesthetist who works up in Brisbane Hospital. So, mm-hmm. um, he, yeah, really, really good, clever, wonderful guy. And he said, do you want to play a game? And I said, sure. What, what, what's the game? And he said, well, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And immediately I stopped for two reasons. A, I had probably watched the series at this point a bit. So I was like, okay, I'm about this. And B, mm-hmm. it contains the words Dungeons and Dragons. Those are both good things. I love, is there, okay, so hold up. You can have both of these things at the same time? <laughs> I'm in. Where, where do I sign up? What What do you need from me? And he's like, great, sit down. Can you use a pencil? Okay. Uh, and that's when I started playing. And back then it was second edition and it was the original Red Box. So mm. my first character's name was Slain, um, which is a horrible name to give a fighter because... Uh, they're going to get... <laughs> exactly. Logical conclusion, people. Um, and, you know, I, I played from when I was like eight to about 14. And then, you know, through high school, knew one or two people. And fell out of the hobby after I moved countries. Because it was just kind of hard to make friends all over again. And friends good enough to like tell that, hey, there's this Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's really good. We should play. Yeah. Um, but a, few, a couple of years ago, I came back to it after listening to the Penny Arcade games and listening to God's Fall and How We Roll. And it's like, mm-hmm. these people are having stupid, wonderful, good fun with Dungeons & Dragons. I want to have stu- That's it. With wonderful fun. I, want, I need to start a table because I didn't know how to find one. And so I just started one with a friend of mine who had never played, a colleague of mine that had never played, and a colleague of mine that had played. And I actually got that colleague of mine who hadn't played in trouble uh, with his girlfriend because secretly she really liked Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> and he got in trouble and I can only imagine the argument was like, where were you tonight? Uh, I was out with the guys. What were you doing? We were talking about sports and, and, and beer. <laughs> You weren't you out playing Dungeons and Dragons again, weren't you? <laughs> you betrayed me. Yeah, so we, we brought her in as well, and um, it was great. And I thought, I want this, and I want more of this, and I want as much mm-hmm. of this in my life as I can get. Um, which is why I'm, I'm lucky I play weekly, um, minimum. Um, sometimes I play twice a week. And those nights that I'm home and I'm playing, they have to go on the whiteboard in the kitchen uh, in the little section that says Josh's D&D nights with the date. So my wife knows what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, that's very similar to my DM origin story was that moving down to Melbourne. Sure, I kept my I kept my regular game with the Brisbane folks, but I wanted more. And there's just something about playing around a table as well that I really do enjoy. But I didn't know anyone here who played. Uh I knew some people who wanted to play, and I thought, well, I guess that means I'm running a game. 
And that was ooh, a couple of years ago now. And still running games, still playing games, still loving doing both of them. Okay. Alex, quick question. Do you prefer mm-hmm. running as the DM or playing as a PC? You know, I've thought about this a bit. Uh, it seems to crop up on quit, uh, yeah. on Twitter every now and then and in the Facebook 5e group, which I sometimes read over whenever I want to feel depressed. Um, mm, I'm not in the Facebook group. I can't, I can't do Facebook groups. I, I was in a lot of Facebook groups at one point in time, and it's not an experience I would like to repeat. You don't need to. It's just Facebook groups. Is, mm. But, I, yeah, definitely definitely something that I've thought about. And the answer is that it's it's de- it depends entirely on the type of game. I really like being a player in quite complex, um, big, emotional, in-depth games, you know, political games, you know, romance games, games that are just really all the feels all the time. I hate DMing those sort of games. <laughs> I, I love to DM games that are basically Indiana Jones. I love I love to DM stupid action movies. Those yeah. are those are the kind of games that I love DMing, and I find I find the really intense, slow burn, emotionally driven campaigns just really difficult to DM. I'm just not good at them. I much prefer being being a player in those where I really get to kind of dive deep into a single character and find out what makes them tick. But then as a DM, I just, I just want to, you know, roll boulders down hills at people. So. <laughs> who, who doesn't want to do that in and out of exactly. game? Um, exactly. Yeah. Look, no, I, I understand that. I mean, it's, for, for me, I DM about 75% of my involvement with, with D&D is me running games. And... I, I don't know, I just kind of like being like, no, I, I like this now because I found out how yeah. to kind of keep it fun for myself because before I saw it as just work and I was like, no, 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 no. You're looking at this the wrong way. So Absolutely. And I think a lot of people do look at it, look at DMing especially as just a lot of work, which I can attest it doesn't have to be. It can be so easy. And so low prep, I, I, when people say they kind of want to get into DMing, but they think it's going to be too much work, my response is always that if you've got the skills that you have as a player are the same skills you need as a DM. And look, as a player, you probably should be having a look at your character sheet before a session. If you're a spellcaster, reviewing your spells, thinking about what happened last time, maybe, maybe a total of about 30 minutes before a session, you should be getting yourself in that headspace if you want to kind of contribute to making the game fun for everybody at the table, which you should because it's a collaborative game. As a DM, you really don't have to spend much more time than that preparing. I don't, I, I find, and maybe that relates to what I said before about the kind of games I like to play and versus the kind of games I like to run, <laughs> but I don't find the difference between prepping for a game as a player versus prepping for a game as a DM, I don't find the time or effort difference to be that extreme. That's fair enough. I like mean, do you, do you run homebrew or modules when, when you DM? Uh, kind of like Franken modules, I guess. Um, I'll usually, a lot of the time I'll start with a module. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends if it's a longer campaign. Um, I've been running Storm King Thunder for ooh, a year and a half now. Oh. Um not every week, which is why it's taking us so long, but it's also taking us a long time because the players will go off track as they do yes. all the time. One day. And <laughs> exactly, one day, one day. One day uh, Tyler will to... not make my life hell, but uh, yeah. this is, mm. it'll never be that day. That's okay. No, no. Uh, but yeah, then I, I'm running the campaign technically. But I'm also making up every third or fourth session completely, just no, completely cool. made up um, because uh, they didn't want to follow the plot and they ended up in the Underdark. Okay, well, I guess I guess that's what we're doing now. Oh, we've got a guest player in. Uh, we actually had Dan come in and play with us for, oh, no, for a session. Yeah, and I didn't want to kind of progress the plot and leave him with, or leave them with, leave them with all this... Um, plot threads that didn't really make sense 
So I invented a session almost on the spot for that. Uh, and that was really fun and that worked out really well. So I take a lot of inspiration from published modules, but the end result is, is completely not the same thing at all. I found, okay, if I'm running modules, um, like I'm running the, the Cobalt Press uh, Tales of the Old Margrave, and uh, I can confirm it's really good. It's really, mm. really good. It's, and originally, like, the idea was to run it as, like, a dark fairy tale. And when you look mm -hmm. at fairy tales where they come from, it's sex, blood, torture, mutilation, murder, and maybe one or two people escape with their lives. Yeah, I mean, someone's got to tell the tale. That's how we started. And in about 20 minutes of me, after we'd even had a bit of a chat and I'm like, okay, guys, this is going to be a bit dark. We're going to get a bit serious. Within 20 <laughs> minutes, it was like, no, this is goofs and puns. And I think as a DM, it's yep. like, I'm just going to roll with this because, as you said, it's a collaborative game. Yeah. And I think DMs who say, no, this is how we're playing. It's like, no, man, you, you're yeah. taking it's, the it's fun out everybody. of this. Now, that being said, some games like, say, 10 Candles, mm. I don't know how well that would go with a goofster. Maybe the, the, the dungeon master or gamekeeper there would just be like... Hand me a piece of paper. That's it. You're done. Yeah, there are certain, definitely certain games with particular vibes. I feel the same way about Call of Cthulhu. Now, Call of Cthulhu is innately hilarious because you're playing a bunch of normal people who don't know what they're doing, who are being confronted with mind-bending horrors. There is, there is almost always hilarity in that. Um, that almost sounds I like, say, reading the political papers now. <laughs> exactly mind-bending horrors day after day that you just you know what you get more prepared for them as time goes on it's like you discover the the cosmic almanac of political terror um but of course there's going to be funny bits because you know uh something that definitely didn't happen the first time i tried to run a game of call of cthulhu uh within the first five minutes somebody critically failed a driving role and ran over their brother man fair enough and, Which, I mean, and I mean, there's always that part where someone has temporary insanity, like... Yeah. And just screams. Just yeah. screaming. <laughs> just screaming. Oh, God, that'd but, be murder. Yeah, as a whole, the game itself doesn't really lend itself to being played as a funny game. You know, you it's it's designed so that your players can be scared, so that you can get some jump, some actual jump scares at a tabletop game. Um, and when you pull that off, it's extremely satisfying. It's far more satisfying than pulling off a goof. Whereas D&D, you know, the age rating on that uh, is 12 plus. It is an inherently goofy game. It is. I think, I, I, like, it's kind of funny, like, trying to remember, like, when I played it when I was a teenager and what I play now. It's completely different. Yeah. And... This is the thing. I mean, I put a tweet out saying, hey, everyone, tell us how you got started. And a number of people like uh, Rockabilly Soap, um, they pointed out, look, they got it into the same way I did. Their brother grabbed them and said, hey, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. And now they're teaching D&D to their kids. And I've, I've got an eight-year-old now. And so you better believe we played D&D. Hell yeah. And that's when you teach them the right way to play, which is be nice, have fun. It's together. Yeah. It's, you have to play it together. Exactly. Um, now, there were a lot of people who actually did respond to this tweet, and, I, and I'd love to kind of shout yes. them out a little bit. Um, Jason uh, TDDM, um, I think they're Jason Voorhees, like that's their Twitter name at the moment for Halloween. Um, for Halloween, yeah. I, th this is a thread that I'm like, oh, my God, like this is – this is what we dream of, I think, in the hobby. It's like, this hobby mm. and having friends saved my life. And I think that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I read that. That was It was amazing. It's it's such a beautiful story. Um, and everybody should check him out and read it. Yeah. Absolutely. Please, please. Um, I also know, yeah, absolutely. And I know that Jason also does um, a lot with uh, Jasper's Game Day, so a lot with charities. And I think that's, that's something very important to touch on whenever talking about not just how 
not just how you got into D&D yourself, but how and why you should bring other people into the hobby. And that just absolutely encapsulates it for me is we're not, we're living lives that are increasingly separated from people around us. And to be able to find a group of people who you are comfortable being vulnerable enough with, you'll maybe put on a silly voice, maybe explore a character that's a bit different to you. There is an inherent kind of vulnerability about playing these kind of games with people. You have to trust them. You have to care about them. So as a direct result, you end up with a group of people who you trust, who you care about, who you love and th- who you love and that's just that's just such an incredible thing and it's quite a unique thing uh for this day and age yeah i mean and if this is how you find your friends amazing yeah like i i wanted to say like i'm i'm a i'm in my late 30s now when i started it was you know mid late and i can say like after two years of doing this i have pretty close to a dozen really good friends um th- there's a joke that my youngest brother ethan reminded me of it's like look jesus's real miracle was being a middle-aged dude in his sorry a dude in his mid-30s who had 12 good friends that he hung out with it's like yeah that is a superpower but i mean yeah, and, and and i can't agree with you enough to say we, we are getting more and more socially isolated and as good as it is to play online if you can get it in person that's beautiful but anything to connect with another human being in such a way where you work with them and open yourself up to them, that is beautiful. And it, it, it carries a it carries a vulnerability, but it, but also lovely strength. Yeah, and I, I know that part of the conversation we wanted to have today was about how to get other people into games. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you're not already running games, run some games. Yeah. Uh, again, it's not that hard. There are a lot of good free resources out there to help you, so it doesn't have to be costly. It doesn't have to be time-consuming. Uh, that is a whole topic in itself, is how to make DMing more attractive to people we'll, we'll get you back uh, get out one. there and run some games <laughs> yeah exactly that's a whole topic in itself and you know i ran some games uh for beginners particularly at a local game store and one of the last sessions we had was you know a 50 50 split of women and men uh there was a there was a 17 year old and a 45 year old and they all came together and played four sessions of really great D with each other um still catch up, still chat, and it's just, it, it re, kind of, it, it makes you rethink the people that you surround yourself with and what's important. And it turns out what's important is just the ability to have fun with each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky, like, I, I actually did a, um, and this is kind of connected to what um, one guy said, uh, Thomas Eckenfels. Um, his thing was, check out different streams. Um, hmm. I did a stream with the non-toxic gaming group and I am still in touch with three of those people that I streamed with on that because I, I ran a, a one-shot for charity thing. But I'm still in touch with like three of these people and one of them, in all honesty, like if Face lived in this country, anywhere near me, me and him would be hanging out to the point where my wife would be starting to ask me questions. Oh, absolutely. I've, yeah, I've met those people as well. It's like the first streamed game I did, so moving on to more streamed games, the first streamed game that I ever did um, was over Christmas one year I had, you know, I could actually play in American time zones and uh, Grant Ellis offered me a spot on a stream. Um, I said, yeah, sure, I've never done this before. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, And it was because he made me feel really safe and welcomed and I was able to do something I'd never done before with people who I'd never met before. And everybody in that game, I still talk to. Uh, and that was, that was my first ever streamed game. That was uh, more than a year ago, um, two years ago. So, you know, those, those are all people who I still talk to. Excellent. Um, you've also been with Scraticus and he's a stream I'd definitely recommend watching. He's great. I've yes. I've been on one thing with him, and okay, th- this is a, a little peek behind the curtain. Before we started, he said, "Okay, guys, what's your group going to look like? What are you all about? What what's your dynamics in the group?" And that was all good. You know, we were all you know four complete strangers from each other, just having a, a bit of a chat over Twitter, and you know, sorting out you know what we're playing, who we are, how we all work together, that kind of thing, what we're going to do, and that was great. Um, 
And actually, that's a really good way to DM as well. Like, let the players make decisions, and then you as the DM just set up a couple of things to deal with. And that's actually a great yeah. way to run it as well. Um, but before we started streaming, you said, okay, guys, look, here are the ground rules. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. If this is a thing, we're going to do this. If this becomes a problem, we can back off for a bit. And there's a part of me that was like, is this really necessary? Dude, come on. We're all nice people here. We know each other now. But the other part of me is like, no, Josh, this man is being, this man is being a saint right now because he is making sure that everyone is going to be decent by just setting up those basic ground rules where it's like, okay, guys, look, we, we need to make sure we're very nice to each other. We need to make sure we've got a really good understanding of what nice looks like as well. Mm, yeah, and, it's putting parameters around it. And if these rules are broken, we don't immediately just, you know, cast someone out. We take a break and go, okay, that didn't work. That wasn't okay. Here's why. Let's not do that again and let's move on. And I thought, what a heart and soul this man has. I, I, darn, I've, I've, I've been neglectful. Damn, I've got to go sit down and, like, you know, like rewrite some actual, like, session zero notes now. And admittedly, the number one rule is let's not be dicks to each other. Yeah. Always the number one rule. Yeah. I mean, some people quite like dicks and that's their business. I'm not particularly thrilled. I don't know. Anatomical insults. Maybe we should move on. Yes. Maybe we should move on. No, I mean from anatomical oh, insults I, completely. Like, it's like... Well, no, I... Yeah. Part. I mean, as just just as a society. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, let's just stick with assholes. It's non-gender specific. Everyone's got one. We can yeah. all agree they're not nice. And if you don't have one, you're a lizard person and I'm suspicious. Yes. Thank you, David Icky would be all over you. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, there were a couple of things people put down, but, and this is something that um, Adam Corney said. Uh, His notes are right at the bottom. And I actually really liked what he said. Ask them what character they like. Because I'll be honest, when you Mm -hmm. look at the sheer number of permutations of race and class... It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's completely overwhelming. It is. And I mean, um, I've got my eight-year-old boy and my 15-year-old nephew. Um, they're, they're playing together. They're, they they just did a one-shot together and we're going to do some other stuff soon. But it's like, okay, what do you want to be? And when you ask someone, hey, what do you want to be? They probably have the same response I had when I was 16 and someone asked me, hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I was, I don't know. Be happy? Is that an option? You can watch their brain melting in real time because that is is such a difficult question to answer. Well, Alex, um, okay, so to to kind of give my experience, what I did with my little boy was I wrote up a basic thing, which was like a day in your life and just set up a few basic problems and just watched how he solved them. And that's how he put his first character together, which ended up being a halfling ranger. Amazing. And it was like, okay, you know, here's a problem with two other people. Do you solve it with violence? Do you solve it with talking? Do you, how do you solve this? Do you sneak away? Do you join in? And admittedly, that is never going to see the light of day because I can't make it into something that's, you know, a product or anything. But at the same time, it was kind of the only way to actually sit down with someone who's who was seven at the time and say, okay... What kind of things do you think your your hero would want to do, and how? But Alex, yeah. how do you do it? Um, it's actually really interesting because it. Well, I mean, it depends on who I'm playing with. But if if I'm introducing brand new people to the game, I do exactly what um, Adam suggested there, which is uh, when we're doing the introductions, the very first thing going around the table, I say, okay. Who are you? How'd you find out about this? Like, what? Why do you? Why are you here? Why did you want to give Dungeons and Dragons a try? And tell me a character from a piece of media that you think's really cool. And I kind of do it in that way uh, before character creation, where it's kind of bundled into introducing themselves and getting to know everyone about the table, uh, as well as you know, thinking about getting them in the mindset of, okay, well, what am I doing here? What, why do I want to play D&D? And then, and then kind of prompting them on a character that they think is really cool. Um, you know, I had one guy say, 
well, I think Buffy's just the best. Uh, and he ended up playing a uh, elven monk. And, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of models her it. after Buffy, and then he exactly, and he was writing, he was writing his character out, and he kind of looked at me and said, oh, you know, I've just got this character in my head. Is it okay if I play a woman?" Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yeah, totally, absolutely." But like, he wasn't sure if that was okay, and I don't think if I hadn't asked him what sort of character he thought was cool, if he didn't have Buffy in his head. He may not have wanted to, he may not have even thought to ask if he could play a female character. Uh, so I thought that was, that was kind of when I thought, okay, I need to make sure I do this every time I'm introducing new people to the game because it gets them thinking outside of who they want to be and more towards who they could be and opening up that possibility a little bit further. Um, and of course I have had people come to the table and I say, well, what's a, who's a character you think is really cool in any media? And they say, oh, Dritzt. And you're like, well, that makes it really easy. We're going to build you a character in about 40 seconds. <laughs> you, you don't do what I would do and go like, no. No, 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 I, no, I, I respect you more you for saying great. absolutely yes, go for it. I, I, look, I wouldn't yes, say absolutely. no. I wouldn't say yes, no. I'd it. say, okay, cool. And, and like you said, like this won't take long to set up. Cool. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, we ended up building Dritzt as a fighter though to do the two weapon thing a little better not actually a ranger because fiction and yeah uh don't rangers but have access to the two weapon feet they they do but specifically the way that he ended up wanting to play it we're like okay no a fighter is actually going to be much better okay, and much enough. more fun for you um and you know what it ended up being really fun because he was reading uh rs Elvatore's books and i you know, gave him a magical scimitar right at the end and told him that he could he could feel the call of its twin from somewhere deep beneath the earth. And it was that was the last ten minutes of the game. And he he was just delighted. Like by being able to be part of a story that he loved was was meaningful to him. And that's why I think asking people what characters they think are cool, what characters resonate with them, you can start to explore the possibilities of it. It not just makes character creation easier, which it does, but you can start to explore the possibilities that D&D has to offer, which is all of these stories you've loved and have always wanted to live in. Now you can. You can, you can create and inhabit these characters that, that you've been inspired by since you were a kid. Can I ask a question? That's really cool. Who would you... Yeah. How would you classify Batman? Because I can just imagine someone's going to say, you know, oh oh, uh, Batman's great. And it's like, uh, ooh. Because part of me would I don't say know if, Monk. I don't know if Batman's in D&D. Yeah. I guess Monk. Um, Monk or Barbarian. I would have said Monk or Ranger. Like to have that combination yeah. of fighty and stealthy. Like a strength build Ranger. Yeah. I mean, you can have you can have a fairly stealthy Barbarian. Yeah, True. I, I once had a multi-class rogue barbarian halfling because mm-hmm. I, I exactly. just kind of pictured him as like a little Joe Pesci kind of figure. And then they end up being the most fun thing you've ever played. No, Guddy was the most fun thing I've ever. Yeah, Guddy's the most. Guddy's the best. I love Guddy. He's he's making a comeback, um, Cameron. Do you know what though? I think Batman isn't a D and D thing. I think if you want to play Batman, you're going to go play Blades in the Dark or something. I haven't played Blades in the Dark. You should. It's I amazing. Should. I agree. Yeah. I, I need it's to, got really good team dynamics. I, I need to have more time and, and less mm. everything else in life. But Yeah. Mm. Although, you know what? You could probably, you could almost certainly do the DC Universe in, um, in Cypher System because you can do anything in Cypher System. Uh, Pruitt ran, a, ran me through a, um, a One Punch Man one shot in fun. Cypher System. It was one shot man. Insane. It was the most ridiculous. Oh, no, the most ridiculous game I've ever played in. It definitely belongs to Scraticus. Okay. Uh, the the Mean Girls game. Oh. I, I like the idea that you just like you you keep finding that extra notch of like. <laughs> no, actually, the silliest. Because because for me, I know the silliest <laughs> game I played, and it was Grant Howard's Goat Crashes. And it was oh, with well, Dan. Well, that was just it, is that... 
of course it who was. Who in-game ended up of smooching me, which, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to say no. Smooching. All games should have smooches. More smooches. I was trying to think of a game where, where I would say no, and I was like, no, actually, yeah. More smooches. Yeah. Actually, Grant oh, Howard made another game uh, very similar to Honey Heist and Go Crashes called uh, Sexy Battle Wizards. And each problem... That sounds right. He said, I, th- I think on the sheet, he actually says, every problem should be able to be solved with kissing. If it can't be Ooh, solved with kissing, how would you change that problem? And I thought, you know, Grant, you got something going there. <laughs> that's, yeah. You didn't, that's, you didn't vote for, for the game suggestion I gave you. And I'll hold that against no one because it was a terrible suggestion. Although it was a great pun. Mm, there. Um, oh God, you and your puns. Do we? Do we? Do we get to swear on this podcast? Yes, What's absolutely. The rating? This is Australian. Okay. This is Australian PG. Great. Okay. Go for it. Because the silliest thing I've ever played was Big Motherfucking Crab Truckers. All right. Which is exactly what are you, you, you're a trucker who is also a crab. I dig it. Unless you're the player who um, was a squid masquerading as a crab, but wore a squid hat the whole game. That person. Oh, that was this was this was also on Stratacus. I'm not surprised. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing a a thing like when I played with Stratacus, um, I noticed a lot of Discworld references, and to me that's like, yeah, dude, I'm in. I'm in, I'm about this. I'm all good. So yeah, so it, was, it was yeah, it was great. Um, I would say like if I was bringing someone in, the funny thing is like the two two other people that I've introduced to D and D, they both started out with barbarians, and part mm-hmm. of me thought, well, that's great because it's easy. Yeah. What do you do? You run over and you hit people as hard as you can with the heaviest object you have. That is not another player character. Unless you've talked oh, about it specifically, yeah. unless you've talked about it specifically, and <laughs> and everyone can sense that you're allowed to touch that person, pick them up, and throw them. I now need to have a That's game a where a Goliath hurls a halfling at someone. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a barbarian with a tavern brawler may be the single most fun thing I've ever played. I think I remember I saw your tweet about that. Uh, yeah, I did max damage with a fish. Nice. I, I fish slapped an orc to death. Just for the that halibut? Was, that was a thing. That was no, no. I mean, I mean, I had the fish for the halibut. I had the fish. I had the fish. We got attacked. That was it. Was in my hand, and rather than, you know, dropping it and drawing a weapon, I just thought, no, nah, smack him with the fish. Yeah, I mean, a fish should actually be a really versatile weapon too. I mean, it would have a ten foot reach because it's a pike. A- actually, no. The crab trucker game was encounter role play. I'm terrible. Sorry. That's okay. I like it. I, I like that you steamrolled over. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> about to talk about crab trucking? No, no, no. no I, I, I made it. two. I made a couple of terrible fish puns, and you're like, "No, Josh, we're not. Do- no, I'm not. Gi- <laughs> we're not going. I'm not giving not you. Going I'm going not giving no. you the satisfaction." I was still thinking about crab truckers. <laughs> That's fair. It sounds great. I think we'd all had a bit to drink, so I'm terribly, <laughs> terribly sorry. Will for forgetting that this was actually your game. This travesty belonged to you. Um, it was, it was truly something else. Excellent. Um, I completely threw you off track. There. Yeah, I'm, I, I was, look, <laughs> I'm now thinking about large crustaceans driving trucks across the seabed, and it, it makes me happy. What can I say? I mean, yeah. Oh no, it's entirely on land. It's, oh, I mean, okay. I think it's on land. I don't think we ever clarified that. Is it a conflict-based game? Um, sort of. It's another one of those ridiculous one pages. Um, but it's yeah, it's uh, basically you say you're going to do something, mm. and somebody else or the DM will say no fucking way, and then you have to roll for it. Okay. Uh, so it can be conflict, or it can be I am driving. You know. I think one one bit was again. I reiterate, we'd all had a fair bit to drink. I think at this point, um, 
And there was one bit where we were driving along the highway and there was a, uh, the, the road hadn't been finished yet, like your classic kind of speed moment. Uh, and I was driving and I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to jump and I'm going to rev the truck. The, the big motherfucking did, did, crab did, truck. Did the words hold my beer get said at any point? Oh, probably. I imagine so. Maybe. It was, look, it's, it was a hilarious game. It was, it was truly devastatingly funny. Um, I had to mute my mic a bunch of times. Um, I had to actually duck off screen a couple of times. We all did just to kind of collect ourselves. I, I just imagine. And be able to speak. <laughs> I, I just imagine what happened is you went off screen, but we were just holding like a thumbs up. Like, no, I'm okay. I'm just yeah. dying of laughter. It's fine. We're Keep good. going. I'm listening. I'm just choking on my own laughter here. It's fine. It's okay. I'm just dying. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, it was it was magnificent, um, and I thoroughly recommend playing games that aren't D and D. Yeah, because you can you can access a bunch of different experiences, and I suppose that's another good point to try and keep this conversation even vaguely relevant. Yeah, um, <laughs> that you know, if you try playing D and D with people and it's not gelling. Don't give up. Don't give up on your tabletop experience. Go out and find something that works for you and your friends because there is just so much out there. Um, there's a guy by the name of Josh T. Jordan. He runs a, um, a little game thing called Ginger Goat Games. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. That hopefully won't make it into the final cut. Um, and no, leave it. The game Be human. that I actually used to bring the people I was talking about, you know, when I started running a table... Um, was one of his from his Imposters collection, where and spo- spoilers for how we played that game out. It's about a funeral for an African American woman. Now it's played with an ordinary deck of cards. You don't need all of them. You need I think about a third. So it's all you really need. And one card is who you are, and one card is your motivation. And you get a couple of other cards, and you can use them to turn the story your way. Mm-hmm. And we went all the way through that game, and I had the last card for the very Josh holding on to this reason of I was the woman whose funeral it was, and I'd faked the whole thing. Oh. And I'm like, I can never play this game again. I've just had the definitive game of this. I'm done. And I remember we, myself and, and, and my two mates, we died laughing at that reveal. And we died laughing just after. And it was one of those games like, this should have been a really serious game. It went right off the rails. But it got these two. It got, yeah, yeah, all of them. <laughs> That's why specifically, like, my homebrew campaign is Curse of Strahd, but he's a railway baron. So when it goes off the yes. rails, it was supposed to all the time. <laughs> and if it didn't, it wasn't there. Yeah, see, that's that's part of the fun. Um, but also playing something which was so light on rules but so heavy on RP and narrative means that you actually flex those muscles where it's not like, okay, I need to optimally build this character. You know, you, you couldn't bring... You, you, do you know what a pal assassin is? Uh, um... I have a feeling I do know because I think I've played with one of these, but do go on for those playing along at home. Yeah, um, it's a build where you combine a rogue and a paladin, so you can combine sneak attack and divine smite. Yes, I have indeed played with one of those. Yeah, I had someone suggest one to me and I'm it's like, but that's how you ruin the game for everyone. It's like, that's a nice, that's a nice mature dragon you got there. Be a shame if anyone happened to, let's see. <laughs> 150 damage, Josh. Yeah, boom. Oh, look, it's a crit. Yeah, leave the table. You're done. Yeah. Oh, look, you actually no. Okay. Here's how I would deal with that. Yeah, you absolutely like your, you know, your your blazing weapon hammers into the beast in, in an angle that it didn't see coming, and as its flesh erupts off of it, you see that beneath that living flesh is now the magically animated skeleton. As the Draculich smiles at you and simply says, "Thanks, that was just mm. slowing me down." See, that is a great way to do it, except you've just you've just segued into 
the exact time when somebody named Josh did 150 damage to a Draco Lich. This was this was a oh, all right. Paladin. I'm out of ideas. <laughs> this was like a this was a paladin warlock. Ah, uh, yeah. Built specifically for one attack. Yeah. And when he dropped it, yeah. It was yeah. Yeah, Shane. Shane didn't actually expect us to beat. The anyway. <laughs> I think it was like the first session. I think that's when you learn the kind of DM you are is when they do something that is like so overpowered, but in the rules and you've got to think on the fly and be like, how do I save this? Yeah. But I think, I think think that's a whole episode as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think Shane and Josh actually built this character to get like, Josh made sure it was okay because communication is the cornerstone of every good game. Yes. I, I kind of like the fact that his name is Josh and mine is as well. So I can like speak mm-hmm. about myself in third person now. And you think I might be speaking about your friend. Like Josh hates it when people speak in third person. <laughs> <sighs> well, Alex, um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, now people can find you on Twitter and you said Alex mm-hmm. Katu. Uh, is yes, that Alex underscore Katu. Uh, C-A-T-O-O? C-A-T-T-O-O. Uh-huh. I would have yes. I would have good that bad. Uh, do you have any other pluggables to plug? Um, I do a fair bit of work behind the scenes on the uh, the channel Variant Rolls, who you can find on Twitch. Um, I do love those folks a lot when we're talking about you know finding your family through D and D. The Variant Rolls family is definitely mine. I met a lot of them at Gen Con this year. Oh, nice. Uh, and it was lovely to see everybody and very bittersweet when we all had to leave. And there were definitely a few tears. Uh, so I will always, always, always plug them. We do a lot of different shows. Again, not just D&D, although we try and do uh, something D&D for every major release. So we've got some Avernus content coming up, which will be really fun. I think I've seen so some of your... Check them out. I, and I apologize for interrupting. I think I've seen some of your right. Twitter stuff about that. And I think you... Because I, I haven't looked into Avernus at all because I know how much time I just don't have in my life. But I think I liked your summary where it's like, guys, this is like Dungeons and Dragons Mad Max with demons. And I was like... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That's yeah. Um, and Al made uh, uh, Empty Black, so... Another a fantastic Aussie writer uh, contributed to it and confirmed that that was indeed kind of deliberate. That wasn't, you know, it's not an accident that this is Mad Max in Hell. This is, that's that's kind of what they were aiming for. This is also every so. bard's wet dream that they get to be like right. the guitarist guy from Fury Road. If, if you were playing a doof warrior character, please, please tell us. Please, yes. clip it. This, Please, yes. write it down. I need to know about this. So I think we all need to know about the Doof Warrior. <sighs> Excellent. Now, um, Just an entire party of Doof Warriors. I once had an idea for a, um, a campaign. It was going to feature only clerics over, like, hundreds or thousands of years as they built the world around them using divine magic only. And I was going to call it Clerical Errors. Oh, and then again, oh, buddy. yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. See that that goes either way. It's great. Yeah, is the wash is the wash cycle done on those ball gags yet? Let's hope so for next week. <laughs> um. See, so yeah, um. Everyone, I have been Josh. This has been Alex. We we will definitely. Uh, well, I will. Def- um, yes, we will definitely try and arrange another time to sit down and, and talk nonsense about. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I do want to say thank you for everyone who did mention how they got started, um, like uh, Noah uh, Grand, like Iconic Production, uh, like Emma Mulhack, who was ambushed at university by a rogue dungeon master, which is one of the best ways one can be ambushed. Um, Beebs, um, whose product power outage is lovely. Everyone go buy it. It's great for kids. It's great for adults. We had a wonderful good time. Um, who recommended headed to a friendly local gaming store where you might meet someone like Alex who runs games for beginners. Yes. Which is a great way to do it. And you can even find a table if you have children. You can make the table. 
Uh, I'm secretly grooming my second child to be some kind of monk barbarian combination. Ending game. Like he's he's just built that way. He's also one day just going to tear another kid apart. Um, but until then, everyone, you can find me at Nerdy People D and D on on the Twitters. Um, please feel free to check out everything. Leave a nice review; that'd be great. And have a lovely night slash week. Alex, thank you for your Bye. time again. Bye.